0: this is wayne welcome guys on a special sunday morning special mother's day edition of uh, funny books theron and polly uh i'd like to point out that you know in uh in, in grand keeping with our fashion here not a single mother present uh yeah, yeah. well and i I'd, like, I'd really
1: like to say happy mother's day to all the wives and all the mothers of our listeners because we know No no mothers are listening to our podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Not even our mothers. It's a a bogus made-up greeting card holiday, Paul. (laughs) It is not, Aaron. It is. It is time to celebrate the mothers of the world. (laughs) Uh
2: Uh Honestly, it's probably for the best that our mothers aren't listening, considering all the years and years of Paul's mom jokes.
1: Right. Fair. Aaron, did you not get uh, you, you didn't get Suzanne like a, a doggy mother, a doggy mom gift?
0: Why would I do that? You, <laughs> She's thing. not
1: my mother, Paul. She's the doggies mom. Did the
0: doggies get Suzanne yeah. something? Of course, the dogs got Suzanne something. For the makeup greedy heart holiday. <laughs> well, I I, can, I don't control how they spend their allowance, Paul.
1: Fair. You know, fair. They do their chores, right. they earn so. their money, I allow
0: them freedom of choice, though Elmer spends most of his on porn. But strippers. Uh, <laughs> <Drugs. laughs> and, and I keep trying to educate him. Why do you spend money on porn? Nobody spends money on porn anymore. Are you living in the eighties? Oh.
1: The fuck? <laughs> he goes to the local video store, the one that's just called the video store.
2: <laughs> Yeah, at least if you're going to spend money on it, spend Paul's money
1: on it. That's right. Right? That's right. <laughs> is that what those charges are? Well, Paul doesn't have any money because Paul's a week away from moving. Yeah, Maybe I that's why. <laughs> I, you, have, I, you have got to be,
0: right now, the most cash poor of anyone oh ever because. It is yet, just
1: like hemorrhaging money.
0: There are a handful of life events that just are, you know, a black hole for your bank account, and that is uh, marriage, funeral, buying a house and uh, I think buying the, buying the house is uh, <laughs> is, is is the uh, the big one. I, I really do I think that that is the because the rest of those kind of have finite controllable expenses. But the thing I love about buying a house is that at some point the bank will say, oh, yeah, we forgot X or the yeah. title company will come in and say, I'm
1: sorry, we forgot this. <laughs> well last week Jen was like, She's like, hey, you know, I was wondering, should we get new towels for the new house? Can we, can we, can we just get in there with the, the towels we have? Because <laughs> we bought new silverware. We bought new plates. Can we just get in the house with the towels we have? <laughs> that was, that's the other thing is even besides
2: the buying expenses, there's all the... Unexpected expenses that happen at the house itself where you, you realize, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my sump pump doesn't work and I need oh, to replace
0: yeah. that. And yeah, all of that. Well, you yeah, know, yeah. the very first house I bought uh, was a fixer upper, uh, to be sure. And I, you know, when we were moving in, like the whole time before we were moving in, I'm like, man, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, put up gl- sliding glass doors in the, uh, in the bathroom on the tub instead of having the shower curtain. So, you know, I was, I was planning on those, those sliding shower doors and I had my whole weekend plant on uh, getting all that set up and got in there and found, Oh, I actually need to break into the foundation and fix a plumbing problem that the inspector didn't catch. <laughs> uh-huh. Let me take these these ornamental glass doors back to Home Depot and uh, <laughs> you know do something that no one's going to see. <laughs> that was super frustrating. Oof, that's yeah. the worst. Yeah, I, you know, I. I I love being a homeowner, and there are days where I'm like, just burn the fucker down. <laughs> just start over. That's right. That's right. Welcome to ownership with Aaron and Polly. That's right. Yeah. Let's just scrape the foundation. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, we're not going to talk about, uh, you know, the, the money pit that homeownership is. We're instead <laughs> going to talk about superheroes today, and let me tell you. Uh, Jupiter's legacy hit Netflix this week with and n- with not a lot of fanfare. No. I, I, I yeah. I mean, like I just happened to notice it was there and I'm like, Oh, your note on Friday, I think uh, Thursday, yeah, Thursday yeah. or Friday. Yeah. Your note on Thursday or Friday saying, Hey, you know, we're going to talk about JL on, uh, you know, on the show, and I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll find time to watch it. Yeah, I was like, and I got a lot going on this weekend. You know, we're recording on Sunday because I had a mountain of chores I had to get done uh, on Saturday. So, I mean, not a whole lot of time to watch TV. And let me tell you, not only did I get through the first episode, I got through seven episodes <laughs> of Jupiter's Legacy uh, from Friday to uh, this morning. Uh, I, I think that will tell you I'm enjoying it rather a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't have realized that it dropped if Paul hadn't sent the
2: message. Yeah. but it's one of like I loved the comic so much. I did too. So I I was excited for the show to come out, but I never really saw anything about it until we saw well, kind and it of seems the like trailers.
0: It, it seems like it's been in production for forever, right? Yeah. I mean, it just seems like it, it. It seemed like it got optioned like immediately upon publication, and then no news. Um, I. I so I was I was stunned when I heard that it dropped. I mean, I, I hadn't seen anything on the comic sites that it was coming. There was no, you know, they hadn't done any of the standard
1: uh, media blitzes. Re- really surprised by that. Well, and I'll tell yeah. you, I only ever read the first issue of the comic. I never actually read... The whole comic. Um, I'm, I'm going to seek it out. And uh, was Jupiter's Legacy the first, or was it Jupiter's Children was the first?
0: I will Jupiter's tell you, Legacy was the first. I will tell you that I find the uh, the titles for the the series to be confusing um, in determining what to read first. Because I yeah. came I came to Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, after it had been out for a while, and it took... I mean, I had to go to a website going, what the fuck do I read? Because uh, Comicsology is not clear on that point. Yeah, no, I read them as they came out, and
2: what what adds to extra confusion is one of the series is a prequel. Right. So oh, Jupiter's
1: Circle is the prequel. Okay, because I'm looking at yeah. the Collector's Edition right now, and I'm like, hold on. It says Jupiter's Legacy Volume 1 it collects Jupiter's Circle issues 1 through 6, and I'm like hold on, and then Volume 2 collects Jupiter Circle Volume 2, and then Volume 3 actually collects Jupiter's yeah. Legacy, Issue 1 through 5. Yeah, so that's I- probably where I should start because that's what I, I thought it started with Mark Miller and Frank quietly But if you look at it in collector's edition, that doesn't kick off until volume three. So Definitely. they kind of publish them in chrono, the collected editions in chronological order. Yeah, it's super confusing. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and I, I, comics don't do themselves any favor when, when they don't just number their, their uh, volumes appropriately. You know, it, it's super confusing.
2: Yeah, I'm finding it's been so long since I've read it
0: that I don't actually
2: remember much of the comic. Yeah. So I was trying to compare how does the comic compare to the
0: uh, show. It, is, and, it has been a while since I've read it. And I'm, having, I'm like, yeah. I, 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 I think that's the bad guy. <laughs> I yeah. don't
2: remember this much actual superhero action in the comic. Mm-hmm. I was a lot more focused on the family drama, which is definitely in the show. But it get, you have to wait until like episode two before they really get into right. the family drama, maybe even episode three.
0: Yeah.
2: There's a lot more superhero action in episode one than I remember from the comic.
0: So, Jupiter's Legacy is a Miller World production, uh, by Mark Miller. Um, it is very much like most of the things that Mark Miller publishes these days. It feels like a, uh, a, uh, an idea, you know, a pitch for a TV show. I very mm-hmm. much, very much felt that way when I read it. I, I, I think, uh, the Netflix series very much demonstrates, uh, that concept. What, uh, the story is about is imagine uh, the DC Comics Justice League you know, dawning in the 30s, right? Uh, imagine that they've all got a shared origin and you have a Superman-like character, a Wonder Woman-like character, etc. And they live by the code through the years – that they established all the way back in the 30s, very black and white, good versus evil. We don't kill people. We don't take leadership roles in, uh, in, in mortal society. We are examples. And it is an examination of how that code ages over time. And so here we are in this story 60-some years later. And you've got the second generation of superheroes that are coming up, the, the children of the original superheroes. Plus, and I don't know where these guys come from, supervillains. Uh, I can't remember, you know, because there is a distinct origin of superpowers in this universe
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: that happens in the 30s. And I, I I'm, I'm, maybe they'll explain it in the eighth episode that I haven't gotten to yet. I don't remember it from the comic, but you have this plague of supervillains in the world and you know the 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 second generation is like well we don't really you know understand your code and you know why shouldn't we kill the guy who's killing p- good people why you know so you know to put it in dc comics terms why shouldn't batman kill the jo- joker right um, why not kill the mass-murdering supervillains if you have to? If you can't just subdue them, if they're going to keep getting away and killing more people, shouldn't we just execute these guys? And so that's what this really examines. It examines, you know, uh, the the dialogue between generations. It's kind of like, you know, Generation X versus the greatest generation, right? Yeah,
2: and it's also a internal family drama. So... You know, what kind of a parent are you when you are Superman? Right. And you're always away and you're not there when they need you. And what is it like growing up as the child of Superman, where he is the, there is the idea that you can never actually live up to that ideal. Yeah. And that's one of the things I loved in the comic. My favorite character from the comic was Chloe. Mm -hmm. And just how her transition and journey throughout the different volumes starting off as basically a drug addled you know pop culture diva yeah and base and how that was because she always felt like her father was judging her never there but expecting her to live up to an idea that she couldn't live up to
0: I, you know in the i have really enjoyed the the series so far on netflix I think the, the the episode that I had the most trouble with with was actually the first episode, and some of that had to do with the casting. Uh, I was having a hard time wrapping my head around some of the casting, like uh, uh, and I think I'm pronouncing his name right, Josh uh, Duhamel, um, yep. who I'm who I'm not really familiar with, but you know he is apparently a, a, an actor and a fashion model, which does not surprise me because he is <laughs> a, a great big hunk of a man. Uh, but, you know, he finally starts looking right to me. Um, I, I was really struggling with him early on, but I
2: had the same problem with the actress that plays Chloe in the first episode, she just didn't look right. And it didn't. It wasn't uh, the character to me until the second or third episode, and then it starts. She suddenly starts to look better.
0: Well, I tell you, the the actor who really won me over, like immediately when I saw her hit the screen, was Leslie Bibb, who plays Grace, you know, uh, um, the Wonder Woman like character who who is married to the Utopian. And her Uh, costume design is fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and. You know, I I know her from comedy. I've never seen her in a serious role, and she is fantastic on this. She had a tiny little bit part in Wandavision. Um, You know, she was the the blonde uh, uh, sort of busybody, uh, uptight bitch in uh, the episode where they were coordinating the fundraiser. Right? That's she was that in Wandavision. And, you know, I mean, just tiny little part, and here she is, you know, just, you know, a really strong uh, supporting character in this show, and she, she gets, you know, a spotlight episode, she is, you know, key to the origin story, she is all over this thing, and I'm like, man... What a great role for her and really demonstrates her range because, you know, she she has done a lot of comedy work, uh, but she gets a lot of, uh, of action and drama in this show. And I'm, I just I'm really enjoying her, her role in this.
2: I tell you, the, uh, the character that out of all of them, I felt just walked off the comic book page was uh, Utopian's brother. The yes, Walter. He Walter looks
1: like yeah. the comic, like the drawing. He does. He, you he, know what's he, crazy he, about Walter when he first shows up? I'm like, I know this dude. I yeah. know this dude, and I just couldn't place it until the flashback sequence. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, one of the the first flashback sequence that it shows them in the 20s, and I'm like, holy crap, that's the priest from the Exorcist TV series. Yes. Yeah. He looks so different, and the makeup effects are, are pretty solid. Um, you know, I, I mean, they're well, itch, I, You know, I, I will tell I'll you, oh, you know. They
0: these guys show up in an age of ranges on this show, so it'll backflash to when they were young men, right, in the 1930s, and then it will fast forward to today where they're older, you know, where they're you know certainly much older, but you know they age slower than normal humans because you know they're super beings. But their uh, aged makeup is much more convincing than another show Paul and I watch, or at least Paul used to watch, This Is Us. And every time they do the old age makeup on uh, the characters there, it is the worst makeup I have ever seen. Don't put that on me. I only watch This Is Us by proxy. I know you do. Same here. Same here. But I'm still in the room when that damn thing's happening. (laughs) But, you know, the, the, the old age makeup on that show is terrible. It's like some, it's like a kid got into their mom's makeup uh, case and you know just was fucking around. I, it is so good on this show that I actually took the time to
2: double check that it was the same actor, right? Because I mean, with Utopian, you see him in uh, like a middle age as well. Yeah. When he's when they're showing the kids growing up as they start, he's more of a thirties forties looking character there. So you see him young as younger. Middle age and old, and every one of them looks drastically
0: different. What I, what I love about the way the story is told in this show, you know, is that you've got the origin story running concurrently with the current situation, you know, the, the dialogue between the generations, the dialogue between father and son uh, and, uh, you know, uh, mother and daughter. Um, what I love is that they're two very different stories in style, right? You know, the, the current modern story is very much a modern superhero story with all the tropes of modern superhero story. The origin story is very much a pulp adventure right you know it is very much you know as you know very much in the same style as Raiders of the lost ark right um it is fantastic i love the the very different take the very different look uh on the costumes uh you know him wandering around you know the kansas uh you know in in during the depression during the dust bowl uh it just has a very very distinct style and so you never have that moment where you're like which story are we telling right now? <laughs> you know, it is you. You know, you're in a place as well as a time, and I, I, I'm very much enjoying that. And I'm very much, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure which story I'm enjoying more. I'm, I'm, yeah, as you can tell, I'm a fan.
1: I think the show, you know, so I only ended up getting through the first two episodes just uh, because of time, but right. I really. I really, you know, Aaron had, like you said, you mentioned that you were struggling a little bit with the first episode. I enjoyed the first episode, and I was like, okay, well, Aaron says it gets better with the second. So I, you know, I, I hopped right into the second, and it's a great show. I'm yeah. looking forward to the rest of the story. Um, I think, you know, I've always, funny enough, I know you're not familiar with Josh Duhamel, but I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been a big fan of his for a while. He used to be on a TV show that I used to love called Las Vegas with uh, James Conn. Mm. And he was on, like, I don't know all seven seasons of that show. He's been in the Transformers movies, um, so he's 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 been around a little bit, and so I you know, but he's never really kind of broken out into something. And I'm hopeful that you know this series and the acting, uh, you know, kind of maybe jumpstarts his career again. But I I really really liked the first two um, episodes, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the story. I really I, I think it was special effects were great. You know, it it it, it definitely the 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 family drama element of it I really enjoyed um, you know it kind of put me in the same mindset as uh, Superman and Lois or Clark and Lois or what, yeah Superman and Lois um, yeah. <clears throat> in that you know you've got this family drama aspect to the show to a superhero show and I think you know in this show it works just as well and in some ways maybe even a little better because you don't necessarily have the same um, emo aspects, I guess, or, you know, um, modern emo aspects that you do in Superman and Lois. It's a, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, deal. It's all adults, not necessarily dealing with teen angst. Right. So I I thought it was really well done.
2: And I also think the show is doing a better job than I remember the comic doing. Agreed. Of driving home the theme, Mm -hmm. the legacy theme. Yeah. Because you're getting legacy across the past and the present. You know, it, legacy is a big part of the show. So that whole theme of legacy, I don't remember it coming c- across as clear in the comic as it is the show. I agree. It, I, it's, I, it's the it, editing that's doing it, I think.
0: Well, you know, because c- you're right, Wayne. You know, Sheldon in the the origin story, in the, the story that takes place during the Depression, is struggling with the legacy of his father, right? And <clears throat> in the in the current story his son brandon is struggling with the legacy of his father so i mean it is very much you know they they, they each are are, are are parallel uh types of stories i it is so good and you know one of the things paul i think you'll enjoy it's only eight episodes and there is no fat on this bone good
1: um, and that's at, what you need you know nowadays yeah. you know if, if I, and we we've talked we've, we've talked quite a, uh, at length about episodes that just kind of Fluff up to thirteen episodes, right. or, or shows that fluff up to thirteen episodes, and you know, I think eight, six to eight, tends to be the sweet spot without any filler. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I when I saw this was eight, I, I was hopeful for that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I again, uh, big thumbs up. I think they did a marvelous job on, on this show. Uh, now, I got to tell you, you know, we we all di- discussed about watching uh, Bad Batch, you know, over mm-hmm. here on, on the Disney Plus, and you know, I wasn't. Nearly as excited.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I get it, you know, and uh, I, I, yeah, I was, I, I was lukewarm because I, I, while I will say that you know, Bad Batch very much continues a thread that was left in this final season of the Clone Wars. I'm actually not generally a fan of Clone Trooper, Stormtrooper right. focused stories.
2: Yeah, right. and, and I remember that storyline in that season. I love that last season that they read that they did. But I didn't like that storyline. I was just happy yep. to get past that storyline and get to the Ahsoka stuff. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I was not real enthused because, you know, I haven't watched hardly any of that stuff. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just not nearly as big a fan of the Star Wars animation as I am of other corners of the Star Wars universe. But, you know, <clears throat> I, I did my homework this week. So, you know, I watched me some Bad Batch. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, I. I in the first few moments, I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to make it through this first episode. This is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk out of this, you know. <laughs> and uh, then it turned the corner. I didn't, you know, I, having not watched the the final season of Clone Wars, I didn't realize that this was pick, picking up with Order ninety nine or Order sixty six or, or Order thirty three, yeah. whichever order it 66. is. Sixty <laughs> six.
1: Thank you. <laughs> some, some some derivative of three. Exactly. It was divisible by yeah. three. I knew that. But the uh, show i went in feeling
2: the same way Aaron. i just wasn't sure the show grabbed me immediately by throwing me two things that i love i love examining order 66 Uh and the other was bottom sex (laughs) no the other was a rebels
1: reference yeah so i know aaron you're not a fan but the show starts with order 66 and so just you know the premise of the show is that the bad batch are these genetically altered clones that do not subscribe to order that do not follow order 66 to to take out the jedi when the emperor puts it in right and so um we see that at the moment where uh Caleb Dune and his master are are with the bad batch and, and other troopers and Caleb Dune is actually um Kanan. one of the le- yeah Kanan and from the Star Wars Rebels show he the, changes his name when he goes into hiding. The voicing on that character was terrible, by the way. It was. It's like you don't read. You know, they got Freddie Prince Jr. to act like a kid instead of just getting, getting the kid. A kid. Yeah, it yeah. was terrible. It was. And you know, that was part
0: of why I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it. This is this is so bad. But yeah. once once he leaves the action, I was in. I you know it suddenly turned the turned the corner and I was like, okay, just because even I didn't care for his Jedi Master. Right? I mean, yeah. I, because, and one of the things was, is here, here you've got a Padawan and a Jedi Master, and they're hiding behind a rock with a bunch of droids. And how many times have we seen, uh, Anakin and Obi Wan take out the same number of droids? I didn't yeah. understand that and why they were having yeah. to wait for backup. Um, they, they just well, had, the storytelling, they just hadn't made a big enough, uh, uh argument for why that was the case yeah
2: well from the standpoint of knowing these characters from other media they are no obi-wan and anakin
0: sure i I, but you know i having not watched any of that i felt like they needed to establish that better than because you know what we're used to seeing you know those of us who haven't watched clone wars if you've just watched the movies uh, you're used to seeing
1: jedis being badasses so I didn't understand that. Yeah, and this is very much Clone Wars. Uh, you know, I think the final season was season five. This is very much Clone Wars season like five point one. Right. Um, so if you haven't watched the Clone Wars or you're not a fan of the Clone Wars, I don't know that this is going to change your mind. But Aaron, I'm sorry, go ahead because you were saying it's around know, the corner. The I, I, mm. I I I
0: I very much enjoyed it. In fact, the moment that I enjoyed it was when Grand Moff Tarkin shows up, and I was mm. like, okay. I can be here for this. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll continue watching. I, it, uh, I did not enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Jupiter's Legacy, but I will say that I very much enjoyed the show. Yeah. So I've watched it twice. Really? Okay.
2: There are two episodes of it. I watched it by myself, and then I watched it again with my wife because I had a feeling she would enjoy it. She's not a Star Wars fan, but she loved Rebels, mm. and this feels more like Rebels than Clone Wars to me. Like, the first episode starts off feeling very Clone Wars, and then it transitions more to a Rebels feel. Yeah. I, I remember on those episodes of Clone Wars with these characters, I never got personality. It felt like they were just throwing these characters out, and their whole personality was, I'm a badass. But I felt like in the show, we're actually getting personalities, and it just—their characters are becoming more fleshed out now that they have their own show.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean I I will say i i the second episode I felt wasn't great. Um, you know, it didn't quite hold up to the same standard as the first episode, but then again, it's also only, you know, a half hour episode versus the first episode of oh, 70 minutes.
0: They're not all that long cuz I I looked like no. going cuz when I sat down to watch last night, I was like, okay, this will be 30 40 minutes and you know, that I can head on to bed. And I saw that it was, you know, 70 minutes long. I'm like,
1: No. no, They're they're generally a half hour. I think that first episode was intended to be extra length to to set things up.
2: Well, and if you look at the previous cartoons they've done, they did the same thing. The first episode of Rebels would break out into a two or three part thing. Clone Wars starts off with, I think, a movie, and they do the big first setup episode and then they go to half hour shows.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, what I appreciate most about the show is that the, the lead trooper. from the Bad Batch. His name is Hunter. Yeah. Looks exactly like Rambo. Like, he's got the red oh, bandana yeah. Oh, yeah. and everything. No, absolutely. <laughs> like, they're trying to imitate this 80s uh, band of misfits, kind of like a Predator or well, you know, like these characters, you know, like the group of uh, soldiers and Predator kind of thing. That's there's a also a Dirty Dozen feel to it, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's kind of that whole...
0: We've got this, you know, motley crew of guys, you know, who are going to go out. But you're right, Hunter is very much a slice of Sylvester Stallone, all a, la, a la Rambo three, right? Mm-hmm.
2: And I find one of the things they tend to do on these Star Wars cartoons is they give you a child character. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: well, that's got to bring the kids in.
2: Yeah, I think that's what that's for. I, I did not care for. Her, you. By the way, I did not care
1: for Omega. You won't I, like her in the second episode either. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. I really liked her in the first episode. Yeah. the, the second, second episode, episode she very much smart. acts like a kid character. Yeah. Yeah, the
2: first episode, you get to see her be badass a few times. Yeah. You know, she can shoot. She can, uh, you know, she's an independent character. I liked her in the first episode. I didn't find her annoying. But the second episode, I found her more annoying. And I look back to, like, Ezra in, uh, in Rebels, and... It, the character grows up over the course of the series, becomes a better character and
1: i I expect that for Omega as well. yeah, so I mean anyone who's seen uh rebels knows how this story ends um but you know I'm, I'm i'm going to continue with it whether it's going to be must watch tv or if i you know i'll just pick it up when the season ends or whatever i'm, I'm going to continue at least for the next episode or two and go from there because i think it's i think this one is actually a 13 episode series season i mm. could be wrong on that yeah
2: after i watched it i went back and watched a bunch of episodes of rebels
1: Rebels is really damn good. I will yeah. say, Rebels is is really damn good. I already had the
2: app open. It's like, you know what? I want to see him fight Vader. I'm going to go watch the episodes <laughs> where they fight Vader.
1: So you know that you know. Speaking of stories that you kind of know how they play out. Um, I'm sorry, it's 16 episodes. It's the it's this wow. first season. That's a big yeah. order.
0: Are we um, expecting it to be a first season and that there will be a second season?
1: I don't know. Um, it doesn't. They haven't really announced it as a first season or a second season. So I think that it's one of those, the jury's still out kind of things. Um, I also, you know, I was in that Star Wars mood. It was, you know, May the 4th. So the first episode of Bad Batch premiered on May the 4th, but the second episode premiering on Friday, um, you know, I I don't know if you guys saw, but the news this week is that the new Loki series will be moving from its original Friday release date to Wednesday release date. That sucks, by the way. Yeah, it does. Um, But I get it. They're trying not to put all their new content just on Friday because these two will coincide with each other. And um, when Black Widow comes out, you know, you've kind of got the theatrical concern. You know, it was different when there were no movies coming out. But now with movies coming out on Friday, like you kind of want to get the most audience you can. And so I get why they're doing Loki on Wednesday. No, I get it. I I I...
2: wondered if they also did it to capture like the comic media. Having it come out the same day that new, comic new comics, comics yeah. for Marvel
0: come out, maybe, maybe. But I mean, you're not talking about. I mean, maybe maybe the other direction, right? Like, you know, go buy a comic book because you know there's not that many people buying comic books. But, you know, because Disney doesn't care about a quarter of a million people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh. Yeah. I. I. That's gonna be hard. Because uh, I don't generally watch a lot of uh, genre television during the week. Yeah, and it's going to be hard
1: to avoid spoilers. Exactly, that's my concern. So then we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I I I've gotten used to the Friday cadence, but at the same time, like, it's also nice to not have every TV show I watch release on the same day. All right. Um, but you know, I was saying about shows or you know stories that you know how they wrap up. Um, this week they released star wars um war of the bounty hunters alpha which you know andrew said he was going to read with me um but where's andrew right yeah where's exactly. andrew
0: and here's what i think happened you know andrew said yeah i can record on sunday and i said well you know just as a reminder it's mother's day and he says yeah that's not a problem and i think what happened is, is he went to his wife and he said hey honey i'm gonna record with the guys on sunday morning and mrs andrew said uh, that's mother's day and he said, like, yeah but it's a bogus made-up greeting card holiday and then she punched him in the head that's how that's how i think that played out we might not be seeing i i, I think she, i think she hit him so hard she had to hide the body that's all i'm saying <laughs>
1: you're, you're probably not wrong um <laughs> You know, I picked up this War of the Bounty Hunters alpha, which is, uh, you know, the big new crossover, uh, you know, in the Star Wars books. We hop in and out of those books periodically, you know, generally when a new issue one comes out. But, you know, I, we've talked at length about my struggles with the books and how they're they're telling stories within a time frame that we know how the story ends. Right now, the Star Wars, all the most of the Star Wars books are set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And it's like, OK, but. There's only a, a finite amount of storytelling that you can tell there, unless you do things that annoy me, like retconning, you know, Luke meeting Boba Fett, right. but he's blinded so he doesn't realize it's right. Boba Fett type Right. So he does yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Um. So you know. So th- I picked up War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, written by Charles Sewell, first issue art by Steve McNiven. I'm like, okay, let me give let me give this a shot. You know, I know it's a big crossover. I didn't realize how big of a crossover it was going to be. I'm just going to put that out there. And, and on the last page of the book, they say, here, hey, just so you know, War of the Bounty Hunters is the start of something big. You know, and, and it'll come out in every, it'll be um, affecting every Star Wars book um, for pretty much the next six months through October it'll cross over to every star wars book and if you're if you're trying to keep count of what that means that means 34 comics um oh my between god. now and october yeah oh my god wow <laughs> um paul you remember, like, remember you bought a house right yeah well, <laughs> I was like oh uh well that that seems prohibitive to me yeah um and and then on top of it, so I didn't realize what the storyline was about. You know, I was like, oh, war, uh, other than it's about a war of the bounty hunters. Well, it is about Boba Fett bringing Han Solo and Carbonite to Jabba the Hut, and the war of the bounty hunters over that bounty. And you need thirty-four issues of a comic to tell that story. Well, because apparently Luke and Leia are trying to get Han back during that time as well. And again, you know what I what I will say about that is we know how the story ends. The fucking Han Solo and Carbonite makes it to Jabba's Palace and <laughs> they the get of the Jedi. So you're yeah. telling 34 comics to tell the ending of a story we already know. Yeah. Um so that's first of all. Second of all, I've read this story. Um and, and anyone who you know who who is listening to this podcast that's been kind of a Star Wars reader for a while, it may sound familiar because it's the exact same storyline as Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. Um, you know, which was told twenty plus years ago. Uh, you know, to grand that, that, effect. I mean, to that, grand effect. Grand, you know, yeah. and, and you know, with um, wonderful art by Killian Plunkett. You know, great storytelling, and you know, they have a they had. First of all, the Boba Fett part of the storyline was told in six in a six issue comic series, not okay. a thirty four issue one. Um, it just and don't get me wrong, I like Charles Will. and I actually liked this comic, but the fact of the matter is, I've read this story, I know the ending. And it's 34 goddamn comic books to tell a story that I already read and I already know the ending of. I'm out. Just no matter, regardless of the quality of the book, which is high, high quality book, it's just not worth it to me. Um, which is a shame. Again, because I was, I was hope, I, I hopped in because I was hopeful, but it, like I said, it's just, it's not the juice isn't worth the squeeze on this one for me.
0: Thirty four comics at at least three ninety nine. I'm gonna say most of those are probably gonna be four ninety
1: nine. Yeah, most of them are probably four ninety nine.
0: I mean, that's a fuck ton of money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Again, not to be a dick. Yeah. Not to be repetitive, but for a story that has already been told Uh and that we know, we literally know, Boba Fett gets Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt at the end of the story, regardless of the journey. And I know they're like the stories in the journey, not in the destination. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But when you already know the destination.
2: (laughs) And when the journey is basically a walk down the street, but instead they're telling it in 36 issues. So instead of going down that street, they got in the car, turned left. Yeah, they turned off the the GPS.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it wasn't War of the Bounty Hunter. I mean, I remember it was like IG-88 and a bunch of Bounty Hunters were trying to get Han Solo to get the bounty. Like, that was the point of Shadows of the Empire. Again, you know, it is exactly the same story, just told differently over 34 issues. Um, And, quite frankly, um, without the aspects of Shadows of the Empire that I like, like Kyle Katarn and, um, you know, she's or and, and those types of characters and you know they're saying that the rumor is that maybe this is the point at which din Djarin makes his appearance in the um, star wars comic universe but just not worth it to me
0: well you know we have uh, resurrected an old story out of the star wars universe maybe marvel could uh you know you know get the daily double and uh maybe re-reborn some heroes
1: but yeah, so Heroes Reborn came out. Um, you know, the other big crossover from Marvel. I don't know how many issues this ties into because Jesus Christ, who knows? I mean, probably even more. Um, but it but uh, it it is shorter. It only goes through June. Um, but it you know, written by Jason Aaron, art by Ed McGuinness, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear Wayne's thoughts. But I'll start by saying if you've read House of M, you've read Heroes Reborn.
2: Yeah, there's no reason to call this Heroes Reborn. They're no. doing it because of the anniversary of the story. Yeah. Nothing yeah. about this, the concept of the original heroes reborn bringing in like image creators to rec- recreate here that's no. not happening here.
1: No, this is basically this is the Avengers version of House of M, except instead of Wolverine being the one who remembers it's Blade. But other than that, it's pretty much the same general storyline. Like yeah. I will a- say one House thing
2: one thing I liked was Blade immediately having the, you know, admitting this world is better than his world. Yeah, I did appreciate that—that that, you know he sees that this world is actually better than the well, one Wolverine he came from. Wolverine had
1: that same thought because he's like, you know, in this world mutants aren't oppressed. You know, like it—it it is for me. It is—it feels so. It, it hits all the same yeah. story beats. And I know I'm being negative, but I'm, you know, uh, but it's this, just, it just this it, is it's definitely to me. yeah, this definitely would be
2: better named as a House of M, even though there's no like we haven't gotten to Magneto yet in the story. I will say the things I thought I was going to hate about it, I didn't. I remember seeing Dr. Juggernaut and thinking, what a ridiculously stupid concept. But actually reading it, I didn't have any issues with it. You know, it, act, it makes sense. Doom being a character of both science and mysticism, mm. taking the Crimson gem of Sidorak uh, and taking the power of the Juggernaut makes sense him calling himself dr juggernaut does it
1: yeah
2: yeah i mean you know
1: i I, i'll say the same thing that i said about about war the bounty hunters which is the story's quality the story actually isn't bad the art i enjoy Um, in fact the story is fun you know i i i i liked aspects of it but again you know for me it's and you know i know house of m was 20 years ago right um, you know, Shadows of the Empire was probably a solid 22, 23 years ago because it was before The Phantom Menace. Um, you know, it, they, these are, you know, reboots or retreads of stories that, quite frankly, were born before or were written before some people were even born that are reading comics now. So I get it. But, you know, as a longtime comic reader, it's still just too similar to me um, for, for me to, to invest in, in continuing with the story, despite the fact that it's, again, Good art, um, you know, fun story, just not enough, di- not enough for me to to feel like I need to read it.
2: Yeah. And we know how it's going to wrap up. The world's going to change back. Yeah. I liked seeing Colson as president. I thought that was a interesting idea. There were a lot of little things I enjoyed about the book. And like you said, it felt like it wasn't a bad story. It just is not anything we haven't seen before. And we didn't see it in Heroes Reborn because this isn't this again. This has nothing to do with Heroes Reborn.
0: That's yeah. what I found so surprising is that you know to use the title Heroes Reborn, it makes you think that our heroes are going off to another pocket dimension. Yeah, and I do think we're going
2: to get as the story goes on those heroes being reborn into this world. You know, we. Yeah, Captain I think it's America, more literal than. Uh... Yeah, Captain America will get thought out and brought into this world. You know, Thor will come back into this world. Iron Man, I'm sure, will come back into this world. But you don't get that from the first issue, really.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, again, you know, if you never read House of M, then you, you, you know, I, then I then I can recommend this story to you. If you've never read Shadows of the Empire, then I can recommend War of the Bounty Hunters to you, even though it's 34 issues. So, you know, give that yeah, some and- thought.
2: I'll be honest, compared to House of M, I enjoyed this issue more than I enjoyed the first issue of House of M.
1: Agreed. I will say that. Yeah. I don't know. The House of M artwork is amazing. Honestly, House? Yeah, and I know you're not an Epic Games fan, but I am, and I, I thought this yeah. artwork good.
2: Yeah, House of M had some really good stories, but I found like the side stories better than the actual main story with it. They did really good things with Hulk and House of M. Yes, they I are. liked what they did with Spider-Man and House of M. And wasn't that a Peter David
0: joint on the House of M-Hulk story?
1: It was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 been an interesting week in in, in legacy, as they'll say, as they say, um, you know, just kind of seeing the 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 old generation telling retelling the stories that they enjoyed um, for the new generation, and just kind of completely off the beaten path. Um, I picked up the Good Asian from Image Comics. Um, it's written by and. <sighs> I don't want to butcher his name, given the context of the book. Um, Pornsak P- uh, I Hopefully, I pronounced that right. With by Alexander Tefengi. I hope I, I know I butchered those names. Um, but the the concept of the Good Asian is that it takes place in um, like 1930s era, um, trying to tell a story uh, very much inspired by Sam Spade. Philip Marlowe, Easy Rollins, but focused on a Chinese detective um, set during that time frame, which you know was a rarity at the, at the time. Um, Asian Americans were not allowed to be um, law enforcement until mm-hmm. much later in America, uh, except in Hawaii. And so they they go, you know, this is very much steeped in history, very well researched about the history of the time and the Chinese Exclusion Act. And, you know, kind of the immigration policies against Asians during that time. Yeah. uh, And I haven't finished reading
2: the book, Paul, but I did start it before I fell asleep last night. Not a commentary on the book at all. I was enjoying what I was reading. That was the part that surprised me the most. And where I started was how far back the history went in this. It didn't just start when the story starts. It goes back to 1882 and the systematic racism against the Chinese and how that expanded to all the rest of Asian.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you are a fan of pulp type storytelling, but with a modern bent, you know, with a, you know, obviously this is not something that was written in the 50s and 60s. That's pulp era. That, that, you know, that feels amongst that time. Um, and they talk quite a bit about the Charlie Chan, um, you know, uh, of, of that era, um, that storytelling. But this is very much set, set in that area, era, but with a modern sensibility and a modern eye on, obviously, immigration policy and racism. Um, you know, I, I, I actually really liked it. I will probably not read it monthly. Um, You know, it's a pulp story. And as such, it feels to me like it would be better served read as a graphic novel or and I know this, you know, it it grates the nerves of of any comic creator, um, you know, or or in bulk, uh, you know, which means I will probably end up waiting until it's on sale. Uh, rather than picking it up in trade, and and the difference between um the buying the the individual issues on sale versus buying the trade is at the back of the book, um the author very much says that he will be doing essays at the back of each individual issue that probably will not be reprinted in the trade paperback, much like Baker does. Right. Well, um, And, and so it's also I funny. Individuals.
2: Mm-hmm. And I say it's also funny, something that's pulp-based. You know, the comment of uh, wait for the trade on it, because that's kind of the opposite of the original
1: pulp books.
2: Fair. They were all about getting a lot of content out quickly and in small
1: chunks. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is well written it is you know the art serves the story um it may be a little bit more um cartoonish than you know than pulpy you know it's not quite your um sean phillips level art it's a bit a little bit more uh you know lighthearted in tone than that but i liked it i mean i'll 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 continue like i said i'll pick it up in um on sale
2: so to, to get the full story yeah i'm only a few pages in but i'm really enjoying where i've what i've gotten
1: so far okay hey paul Yes. What's coming out next week? Well, speaking of detectives, Batman the Detective, Issue 2, comes out next week from DC Comics. I have not read Issue 1 yet, but I will read Issue 1, and we can talk about Issue 2 when that comes out from Tom Taylor, Andy Kubert. Um, Also from DC Comics, we have the DC Festival of Heroes, uh, the Asian superhero celebration. Uh, You know, this is featuring your Asian-American Pacific Islander uh, superheroes in the DC universe, like Cassandra Cain, Katana, um, Ty Pham, The Atom, etc. You know, kind of all new short stories written by Asian-American creators. Also from DC Comics, you have Future State, Issue 1, Gotham. Which is set in the future state uh, world universe, um, but kind of uh, features tales of Gotham, including uh, a focus on the Red Hood. I probably won't be picking that up, but yeah, you may be interested. Uh, we also have new issues of The Joker and Justice, and the first issue of Justice League: Last Ride from Chip Zdarsky, um, kind of featuring uh, you know his take on the Justice League. From Marvel Comics, we have new we have the second issue of Heroes Reborn. I guess it's going to be published monthly, um, or excuse me, weekly. Uh, written by Jason Aaron, art by Dale Keown and Ed McGuinness. Damn it, I'll pick that one in sale. <laughs> um, uh, Guard, the next issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, the yes. uh, second part of that storyline that we really enjoyed the first yes. issue on, Very and exciting. the first part of The Bride of Doom in Fantastic Four issue thirty-two. I am down for that. And from other comic companies, you have Geiger, issue two from Image Comics, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, and the newest issue of Seven Secrets, issue eight from Boom Studios. Well, that's a lot of good stuff coming out next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, what a deal. Well, hey, we want to know what you think of Jupiter's Legacy and Bad Batch and this week's comics and next week's comics. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of
1: Madness surprise. You could also hit us up on social media, I O M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, guys. Well buckle up we've got more tv
0: to watch and more comics to read so we'll do it all again next week catch you then podcast theme music graciously provided by mark andrew pope for more information visit markandrew funny books with aaron and polly is a production of ideology of madness.com no spider-man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast